Good morning. I could just say amen and we could um, close the service down with that song because that's exactly what I'm talking about today. My name's Todd Vanek. We've had an incredible partnership with Community Reform for the past three years where we have worked together to equip indigenous Indians to plant reproducing churches in India through starting children's Bible clubs, adult literacy classes, and training church planters. And I'm going to um, share the results of that and how God is building his kingdom through that. But I also want to encourage you in terms of who God is, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the gates of hell will not prevail against his kingdom. To do that, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 18. I normally will read the whole entire text, but this, this particular chapter of Isaiah, um, it's poetic, it's a little different, so we're going to walk through it together and pause and, and talk about what God is doing in it. But before we do that, let's, let's pray. Our great God and, and heavenly Father, we come before you, dear Lord, and we understand that apart from you, we can do nothing. We need your Holy Spirit today, dear God. You tell us in your word that the word of God is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, dear God. And we just want to be more righteous. We want to be right with you so that we can be used by you. We pray, dear God, that you would bless and apply this word to our lives. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 18. Isaiah is a prophet. He's been called by God to, to call his people, his nation, into repentance. So we see Isaiah doing that, chapters 1 through chapter 12. And then we go from chapters 13 to chapters 23, and we see that Isaiah is calling the nations to repentance. I said this uh, years ago when I, when I came here. I said one of the things that I love about Community Reformed Church is it has a local vision, it has a global vision. I said it has a global vision, and that's what we see in Isaiah's calling, that he is called to, to care deeply for where he is and where he lives, that God's grace is made known, but he's also called to deliver that message to the nation. So in chapter 18, that's what we're going to encounter. The chapter opens up, and there's this envoy that's coming from Cush. Cush is known as, as Ethiopia today. Now, we hear Ethiopia, and we think of Ethiopia as a weak nation, a lot of problems, starvation, hunger. But here, in terms of Isaiah's day, Cush is a nation to be reckoned with. They're a rising power on the geopolitical scale. But there's another nation that looms in the background of, of Isaiah, and that's the nation of Assyria. And they are much more powerful than Cush. So what we see happening is Cush is sending an envoy 2,500 miles to Judea to Jerusalem to say, hey, let's form a political alliance because we both know we like to build our own kingdoms and our kingdoms are in danger and our way of life is in danger. So we need to form this political alliance. And they're coming into town and Isaiah meets them and he says, you think you have a message for us, but I want you to turn around because I'm going to send you out with a message from God. And that's what we see in our text. And in, verse, uh, in chapter 18, verse 1 and 2, Isaiah says, whoa, kind of hear him say, slow down, hold your horses there. 
Woe to the land of wearing wings along the river of Cush, which sends envoys by sea in papyrus boats over the waters. Go swift messengers, go back to your people, to a people tall and smooth skinned, to a people feared far and wide, an aggressive nation of strange speech whose land is divided by rivers. Now we see in here um, something very evident, but I still want to pull it out for us, and that is that as, that as Isaiah is trying to call the nation of Cush to repentance, he sends indigenous people to do that. He could have went himself. He's a prophet. He's very powerful. He could have formed an envoy from Judea, but he, 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 tends, he, he gathers these people and says, I want you to go back and I want you to bring this message back. We see in our text, right, that it's a completely different culture. It's a different language. The geography is, is somewhat different, very divided by rivers. So there's a real power of, of, of when we're trying to build the kingdom of God to work with indigenous people who understand the culture, who understand the language. Financially, it just makes a lot more sense to work with indigenous people. And I think it's important that we see that in here, but what's more important that we see is that God desires to use each and every one of us, followers of him, disciples, locally and globally to declare who he is, to call people into repentance, to, to say to people, you need to get your life right with God. What you're doing is not gonna bring the kind of fruit that God wants to have in your life. And that's the core of Isaiah's message. We see that in verses three through six. He has these, this, this envoy and he says, this is what the Lord says to me. I will remain quiet, that's referring to God, and I will look on my dwelling place like shimmering heat in the sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. Now that's poetic language and I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not a poetic guy. But what that text is referring to is the presence of God and the patience of God. God seeing what is going on and patiently waiting for his word to break through and have its way. Goes on to say, before the harvest, now it's coming kind of a hard word, before the harvest, when the blossom is gone and the flower becomes a ripening grape, he will cut off the shoots with a pruning knife. He will cut down and take away the spreading branches and they will be left to the mountain birds of prey and to the wild animals. The birds will feed on them all summer and the wild animals all winter. Now there is a word of judgment that God is calling them to deliver. And what that word of judgment is I, that I believe is, is what you're trying to do, this building of your own kingdom, this establishment of your own power, these alliances you're trying to form there's just no fruit in it. It is gonna produce absolutely nothing in your life. It's so strong in this text. Not only um, will things be cut, I mean, you would think that'd be good enough, right? You, you, you take a chainsaw and you cut off a branch and there it is and you know it's gonna die, but that's not a strong enough word here. We're also gonna send in the birds of the air and the wild beasts and they're gonna devour it and there's gonna be nothing left because there's no fruit in it. But please just don't read that and, and hear judgment, judgment, judgment. Because every time there's judgment, it's held from the perspective of grace, of love, of mercy, 
I don't want you to do this or enter this or go down this road because this is what you're going to reap and this is what it's going to bring. And I'm telling you that out of love, compassion, and mercy. I think those of us who parent, are parents, we, we understand that, right? I, I used to live on a road, and cars would go 70 miles an hour down that road. And we had a tree at the end of our driveway. We lived out in the country. And, and, and we said to our kids, don't ever go past, past this tree. You're not allowed past it. And if you do, there's going to be some judgment. There's going to be some consequence. But we said that out of our mercy, out of our love. And that's what well, God is sending this message. He said, because of my grace and mercy, well, I want you to know this political alliance, this political building of kingdoms, it's just not going to work out. See, what I want to say today is, is I do think there's some encouragement here for us in the United States, for us as a church, because, boy, it's really been a year of of political building, positioning, alliances, a lot of discussion on our democracy, religious liberties, economy, and on and on. And what I want to share today is, is nothing new. Every one of you knows this, but, but we're going to be encouraged by being reminded of this. And that is just like the opening song we sang before the message, God's kingdom is not going to come through political alliances, through focusing on building this political party or that political party or this political kingdom. It, 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 God is gonna bring his kingdom because of his incredible love and mercy and he's gonna bring that through indigenous people all over the world. That's the story of Christian history, right? That, 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 that nothing can prevent the coming of God's kingdom. So in 1979, Ayatollah Khomeini returns to Iran as part of the bloody revolution to spread Shihai's radical vision of Islamic re revival and devastation comes to the church. And people are imprisoned and they lose their lives and their possessions and still today, Shihai's radical vision reigns there. And if you become a Christian in Iran today, you can be thrown in prison and charged with crimes against national security. But the other night, I'm listening to the news, and they say that Christianity is spreading at one of the, the fastest rates that it ever has in all of history in Iran today. In 1949, Mao Zedong came to power and he defeated Chiang Kai-shek. And again, devastation predicted for one of the greatest mission fields in history as Mao threw out all missionaries from that country as he imprisoned and executed indigenous Christian leaders as he closed down and confiscated worship centers, Christian universities, and hospitals. But that didn't mean God wasn't at work. See, what happened is it, is it, is it drove the church underground. It started the house church movement. It removed all Western influence from that culture. It prevented Westerners from saying, here's how we think you need to worship, and you need to do that in our culture. It, it, it empowered the indigenous people, and millions and millions and millions of people have come to know Jesus Christ. The same story is true in India, 1960. Prime Minister Nuru, same exact story. I don't even need to repeat it. And the question you have to ask is, 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 how, is this, how is this even possible? Well, Isaiah tells us that it's, it's, it's because of the, 
the Lord Almighty. I love that, 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 that there's this sending of this envoy, and then if you look at verse seven, there's, there's people coming to know, and there in the midst of it is God, and he's watching, and he's patient, and at the end, he's named the Lord Almighty, the God of hosts, the sovereign one, the one who is in control. I mean, Ayatollah Khomeini, he thought he was sovereign. Mao thought he was sovereign. Nuru thought he was sovereign. God's like, no, I, I'm, in, I'm sovereign. I'm building my kingdom and nothing is gonna prevent that. What Isaiah is saying is that nothing good happens unless God's hand is in it. And I'm here to tell you that God's hand is everywhere in this world through the indigenous Christians that he has living there. In verse three, we, we see that vision, that love for the nations when Isaiah say, all you people of the world, everyone who lives on the earth, when a banner is raised on the mountains, you will see it. And when the trumpet sounds, you will hear it. Now we know, because we stand on this side of the cross, right? That that's a vision, that's a prophetic word of Jesus Christ coming. But yet I love the intentionality that Isaiah says the calling is a calling to us because there's a banner that must be waved. There's a trumpet that must be sounded. As I think about those two things, I, 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 I resonate with the fact that a banner is very visual. There needs to be things that are done that demonstrate the incredible power and love of God. And the trumpet needs to sound so that people hear of the love of God. And I, and I, and I say that in my head and then I'm reminded of the ministry of Jesus. And it says when Jesus came, he came proclaiming and demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. And what Isaiah wants us to know is that's where all the fruit comes from. When we build our lives on that kingdom, it will produce fruit. When we build our marriages on the kingdom of God, it will produce fruit. When we spend time with our children building on the kingdom of God, it will produce fruit. When we are part of a church and it focuses on reaching our community and reaching our world, it will produce fruit. And that is who this church is. And it's just why I love being here. Because the vision of this church is so big because you understand that our God is the Lord Almighty. And where God guides, God provides. And that's what we've been seeing all over India. When the pandemic happened in India, you have to understand this, right? It's a nation of 1.3 billion people. To keep it simple, it occupies geography about the half size of the United States of America. And on March 24, Prime Minister Modi called the nation into a national lockdown. Now that was motivated by the fact of the density and the size and the rate that COVID was spreading, but when he did that, he really punished the poor, the day laborers. See, India has an informal economy, and 40% of the population in India are day laborers. That is, they might get up today and go to work and lay brick 
and then get paid for it and take that money and go buy food for their family. Tomorrow they might get up and go and, and be a tea server and get paid for that and go buy food for their family. The next day it might be this, the next day it might be that, but they work every day and get paid every day and buy food every day. You've heard of people who live paycheck to paycheck? Week to week in India, 40% of the population lives day to day. And when Modi announced the lockdown, it pushed this group of people over the edge and they entered into life without food and we started to hear reports of starvation. So what we did, because of our 40-year history, because of the over 2,000 partners we have in, in India, that is 2,000 different organizations we work with, because of the 180,000 churches that we've planted since our inception, because of all the partners that we have that are just like community, we shared the need and we raised enough resources to provide over 106,000 relief kits. And we distributed them through our in indigenous Indian partners in India. And a relief kit provided food for a family of four for 40 days, hygiene items to combat COVID-19 and a gospel message. And God just produced all kinds of fruit from that. Look at these just real quick examples. This is from Rahi Bharati. He says, every day we were feeding people and the church members were helping their neighbors. At Christmas we wondered what shall we do about our traditional service. Many of these people want to come, but with COVID we should not get together. So we asked the police, and they said we should wear masks and not meet for a long time and not sing. Before COVID, we were only 100, but this Christmas, we were 1,200. So we shared the Christmas cake. I just love that. That's referring to communion. And five new families accepted Christ that day. Sagar says we were not sure what to do for worship under lockdown, so we asked the police, and they said, no problem, go ahead. But just be more quiet. If you've ever worshipped in a different country, particular India, you're going to get this next line. It turns out their objection of our neighbors was not to our faith, but to our sound system. So we met quietly and we baptized 15. The next testimony is about a guy who, who, who writes down five of his friends who, who are Hindus and don't know Christ and just brings them to the Lord every single day. See, there is an interesting thing about our text, and that is I have a lot more questions about this, this um, envoy from Ethiopia about, well, I wonder how well they know Christ or God or what's their thing, and I think that's left out intentionally because what it does is it uplifts the power of the gospel message. That's what Paul says, right? The gospel is the power unto salvation, and that's what we see all throughout India. And the faithfulness of the messengers just brings so much fruitfulness. That's Jesus' promise in our life, isn't it? Where he says, seek first the kingdom of this world. Oh, no, 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 no. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be added unto you. Now, you know in, in the Greek what that word everything means? Pretty simple, it just means everything. It's, it's that easy. It means everything. When we seek God's kingdom, everything just flows into us. Fruitfulness. Faithfulness brings that. And, and I could tell stories all morning, but, but we have a video that we put together that just highlights how powerful our God is in the midst of something that should have just limited the gospel. Let's look at this together.
and that's just incredible, right? And, and, and I thought, boy, can it, can it get any better than that? And I'm here to tell you it can. And I wish I could say I get the credit for it because I am such an incredible leader and have so much vision, but that's not the case at all. It's because of who our God is and because of indigenous people and how the Holy Spirit works through them. See, we were in a, a meeting with, with a bunch of our, our partners and staff in India, and as we were talking about these over 100,000 relief kits that we delivered, someone on our staff said, well, what if we started one of our three programs everywhere we did our relief work? See, when we were doing relief work, what we started to understand is that God was opening doors to people in geographical places we had never been before. And we started to look at all of the places we had been because of Britain's influence on India, they're very administrative, so we have the name and address of everyone, 95% of all the people we delivered relief to. So we said, what would it look like if we started a children's Bible club in the midst of a place we did relief, if we sent in a church planter, if we started adult literacy class, and what we soon began to realize is that the Holy Spirit is always multiplying because those hundred families, by starting programs in the midst of them, is gonna allow us to reach 1.2 million people next year with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what Isaiah wants us to know is that when we're building the kingdom of God, when we're demonstrating the reality of the mercy and grace of God, when we're proclaiming his love, fruit will always come to existence faithfulness to building the kingdom of God produces fruitfulness. And that's what our partnership has been about and we're so grateful for it. It was three years ago that as we talked with community, community said, you know, we're really committed um, not to bouncing around and going here and there and, and what we want to do is, is we want to identify an area in India and we like to saturate that with the gospel of, of, of Jesus Christ. So we came up with this, this place, there's a slide, it's called Amritsar. India, and, and there's a district. The blue is the district of Amritsar, and, and, and it's kind of like a county. So here, we're in Ottawa County, and it would be if we had a vision to plant a church in every single village and township of Ottawa County. So that's our, 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 our vision in Amritsar. We're, we're desiring to plant a church in every single village of Amritsar, and, and, and we've been doing that through starting children's Bible clubs, adult literacy classes, and sending in church planters, and to date, we've sent out together through a partnership with community, 643 messengers of Jesus Christ who are building the kingdom of God. And that's resulted in 12,281 people who've come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. And it's resulted in 397 churches. Now I'm telling you, there's a lot of things we can talk about today. But I just don't know anything more significant than that. See, what, what, what God, I think what Isaiah wants us to know today is that this is what's gonna transform India, this is what's gonna transform our world, this is what's gonna transform our marriages, this is what's gonna transform our homes, and this is what's gonna transform the community of Zealand, Michigan, and of all the other places that you're at work throughout the world because God's gonna redeem our world not with sword or elegant armies or political alliances, but through the shame of the cross and the faithfulness of the envoys, of the messengers, and the Spirit's work in them to establish God's kingdom. And you just have modeled that so well. 
You know, when I was um, talking to Trent about coming, he said, well, when you come, there's going to be five services. I said, five services in the midst of a pandemic? And I thought, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm preaching on, right? That's the fruitfulness of focusing on building the kingdom of God, of being so intentional about it, of so believing in the power of God's word. And that's one of the things that I've always loved about community, but particularly about Trent. As we were in seminary together, just this passion and not going to turn him at all from, from the power of God's word. And, and it's just so prevalent in this text and it's so prevalent um, in this church. And, and I want to end with these words from Philippians 1, 3 through 5. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers, I always pray with joy because of our partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will bring it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your focus on building the kingdom of God both locally and globally. And thank you for the fruit that you're producing in this world. Thank you. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you.